0: Well, good morning. I am so excited to be worshiping with you all this Sunday. My name is Zach Thompson. I'm one of the pastors at Calvary. And uh, this past week, I was was thinking through and just it's hitting me once again how many similarities my dad and I have. We, we look very much so alike. We, we share a lot of the same loves and interests. And, and uh, as I get older and older, I, I recognize that that may seem silly to say that to some of you, but as I get older and older, I, I catch myself saying things in a specific manner or, or having a certain mannerism and thinking, oh man, I'm just like my dad. And, and as a kid, that's all that I wanted. I would mimic everything that I saw him do so that I could be more like him. And when I turned into a teenager, I started to use these similarities for, let's call them devious ends. See, in our household, what we would do, my sisters and I would have a competition. We would race to see who could answer the home phone first. I don't know why we did it, all I knew is it was a competition and I had to win. Uh, Anyone else do that in your house now or or do you remember doing that when you were younger to race to try to be the first one to answer a home phone? Anyone still have a home phone at all in your place? A couple people, a couple people, fantastic. So one of the days I I won the race, well not one of the days, it was pretty often I won the race. Uh, I got to the phone first and I answered it and the person started talking to me on the other line like I was my dad. And at the time I was so offended. How do you not know it's me over this garbled telephone call? But then I realized over time that I had something here. So I'd race to the phone, I'd get there and I'd answer the phone as best as I could as my dad would answer it. Then after a few moments of conversation, I would break character and giggle like a maniac and say uh, something like, I'm not your son, I'm your grandson. Funniest thing of all time, right? Well, at least it was for a middle schooler. But you know who I was never able to trick? You know who always knew it was me and not my dad? My mom. The woman who knows my dad better than anyone, and until I married Emily, knew me better than anyone. Because of her time spent with us, because of her care and compassion and love, she knows my dad and she knows me well enough to be able to know who is who just by a voice. Do you have anyone like that in your life? Someone who knows you so well, who knows uh, very much so who you are, that even just by the sound of your voice, they know you. Well, hold on to that idea, because we're going to build off of that, that connection, that knowledge, that love of you. We are going through the series together called Jesus, I Am. Who is Jesus? Who does Jesus say he is? And how does that change who we are? A couple of weeks ago, we saw that Jesus say, I am the bread of life, that he satisfies our needs then we saw uh, Jesus say, I am the light of the world. He uh, helps us not live in darkness, uh, in our, our shame and sorrow and, and pain and fear, but to follow after his good way for us. And then last week we saw Jesus say, I am the door. And it's that last one, Jesus saying, I am the door, that I want to spend just a little bit more time on because the passage where we find it in the Bible is our same passage for today. So a little bit of background in uh, John chapter nine, Jesus heals this man who was born blind from birth. That is incredible. Think of all what he had to miss out on. And Jesus takes that away from him and allows him to enter society. It allows him to have the life that he has wanted for himself. It is an amazing miracle. And yet the man instead is not celebrated with, he is interrogated. The Jewish leaders at the time pull him in and interrogate him. They completely miss this good thing that Jesus had done for him. And this is just one piece in a long history of the Jewish leaders or or the Israelite leaders in, in the Old Testament completely missing what God was doing. And it's this pattern of pain and destruction and hurt and God's people being led astray. It's out of this that God makes an incredible promise. If you were with us last week, either here or online, you might remember or you can pretend to remember that we spent some time in Ezekiel 34. In this passage, God speaks to the Jewish leaders. He refers to them as shepherds, people who are overseeing God's people, the sheep, the flocks. And in this, he tears these Jewish leaders apart. He says that they are shepherds who are feasting on their flocks. He says that they are leading the sheep astray by their poor leadership. He he says that they are more interested in building themselves up than caring for the sheep they're supposed to care for. And it's out of this that God makes that incredible promise. He says, still in Ezekiel 34, he says, I will come to lead them. God himself will come to lead his people, his flock, his sheep. Yes, that's right. The most common phrase used for God's people throughout the Bible, or at least one of the most common, is calling us sheep, beings that need care and compassion and love and guidance. And God says he will give that to his people. So, it's from this background, from all this history, from God's promise that Jesus is speaking to this, these Jewish leaders in front of him, the one that miss what he was doing, the ones that, that were more interested in uh, protecting their authority, what they thought was right, than caring for this man who can now see. It's, a, it's an amazing miracle. The ones who miss that, Jesus is speaking to in John chapter 10, which is our passage. And this is what it says. Let me reread for for us John chapter 10, verses one through six to set the stage one more time. It says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus speaking to these leaders, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The, The sheep hear his voice and he calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So this figure of speech Jesus used with them, they did not understand what he was saying to them. So from all this background of the Jewish leaders letting down God's people, from this specific situation of the leaders in front of him, missing what God was doing, missing their role of being a shepherd, Jesus says, I have come to be the shepherd you were supposed to be. The leaders don't get it. Verse 6 says they don't understand what it is. They, they miss this amongst all the other stuff they missed. So Jesus is going to unpack this for them. He's going to unpack what he means using two illustrations. First, he says, I am the door, what we saw last week. It is only through Jesus and Jesus alone that we have access to God, that we are able to enter through him to salvation by Jesus alone. Not these, not these false teachers, not these bad leaders, not these bad shepherds, but by Jesus alone do we have salvation and protection in God. Jesus is the door. That's the first illustration. And the second illustration he uses is our passage for the day. Unlike these leaders who care more about building themselves up, unlike these leaders who are missing what God is doing and leading God's people astray, unlike these bad shepherds, Jesus instead is a, well, let's read it together. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 13. Jesus says to them, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who doesn't own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus comes to these leaders, these bad shepherds, and says, I am the, I am the good shepherd. So the question we ask, naturally, is how is Jesus different from these other leaders? In other words, what is it that makes Jesus a good shepherd? What is it that makes him good? Well, I think when we look at the text, we can see uh, a couple things there. And first, a good shepherd sacrifices. A good shepherd sacrifices. And it's right there in, in the text, in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep a good shepherd sacrifices. Unlike these other leaders who care more about building themselves up, Jesus will lay down his life for the sheep to sacrifice himself for the sheep out of his love and compassion for them. These other leaders Jesus describes as hired hands who care nothing for the sheep, who doesn't love them, so they won't, he won't, uh, they won't care for these sheep because they have no buy-in. These sheep are not there, so they won't love them. They have no buy-in and no reason to protect the sheep. So when danger comes, they run away and flee to protect themselves because they have no buy-in. I I thought about it like this. Um, So there's a lot of construction going on uh, at this campus as that's no surprise. You walk in and it's different every single week. And so we have a lot of workers that are here throughout the week. And and we're so grateful, so grateful for the work that they're doing. But even if they love their job, even if they walk away super proud of what they're doing here, they will never see the work that they're doing like we do like we who love this church will always see it as something different. They are hired hands. They're fulfilling their job, and and we're so glad for that, but they don't have buy-in here. Whereas we, we see the work that's being done as something special, something different, because uh, we are excited to see what God is gonna do here. We are excited for what God has already done here. And so we have buy-in. We look at the patio as more than just cement, cement. It's a place where we may someday meet a new family or someone who becomes important in our life, that we share life's joys and we uh, go to them when we are full of sorrow for for support. We look at the lobby as, as more than just drywall, but it's a place that we may someday sit down with someone and lead them to Jesus for the first time. We see the kitchen as more than framing and cabinetry, but it's a place that we might meet the needs of the people inside the church and out. We love this place. And so we have buy-in. And so we will always see the work, always see what is being done as more special than any hired hand ever can. And Jesus has buy-in. Jesus loves the sheep. Jesus says the sheep are his own. And he loves them so much. He has compassion on them so much that he is willing to die, to lay down his life so that they can live. Let's make that more personal. Jesus is willing to die. Jesus is willing to lay down his life so that we can live. He is buy in, he loves his sheep, he uh, knows his own. And this is what needs to happen in a good shepherd. A good shepherd sacrifices, and Jesus is a good shepherd because he is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. What else is it that makes Jesus a a good shepherd? Well, a good shepherd, and it's what I talked about before, needs to have care and compassion, needs to know who his sheep are. A good shepherd knows his own. And we see Jesus say exactly this in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. A good shepherd knows his own. And, and this is what is incredible. Jesus is willing to lay down his life for his, his flock, but he isn't dying for some nameless, faceless people. No, he knows his own. He knows his flock and he loves them. He has compassion on them. Jesus loves his sheep. One of the, the worst things I think that we can ever do is, as Christians is we grow used to this idea. We sing so often about God's love. We, we talk about God's love for us all the time. It's, uh, at times, it's even like a sign-off or a goodbye for us. It's like, hey, God, lo- God loves you. And these are all good things, but we cannot grow numb to this reality. The God of the universe loves you. That's not a throwaway line, but this is the most important truth that we will ever experience. The God of the universe loves you. Equally as bad as if we think that love is less than it is. Jesus loves you. Well, yeah, he loves everybody. Jesus laid down his life for you. Yeah, he died for the sins of the world. No, don't miss how personal this is. We saw earlier in what we read, Jesus calls out to his sheep by name. He knows his own. Yes, his love goes out to everyone, but inside of that is a unique and personal love for you. The God of the universe loves you. You. Someone talked about it as, as something like this. So when, when we get the privilege of serving in kids' ministry, it's, it's a beautiful thing. We get to be with them and point them to Jesus. And, and as we're there, even the difficult kids, we love them. We love these kids that are in front of us because of how special this role is in serving them. But Jesus' love goes more than just that general love. Imagine instead that one of those kids in the group is yours yours that you know, yours that you have raised, yours that you know uh, so much about them, and you have a special, unique love for just them inside of this group where you love everybody. That is Jesus' love for us. His love goes to all people, and yet at the same time, it is uniquely for you. It has no pair. It has no match. It is for you that he loves you. Jesus knows his own. He knows you. He knows everything about you, and he loves you. Every detail, every instance of your life, your good days and your worst moments and how you felt in the midst of those, Jesus knows you. He knows everything about you, and he loves you. He knows your quirks. He knows what makes you laugh, what makes you cry, what makes you do both so you don't really know how you're feeling at that time. Everything. And more than just these things about you, Jesus knows you, what it is that makes you, you. Jesus knows you. He knows everything about you, and he loves you. Jesus knows his own. He says, I know my own. the verse doesn't end there, does it? There is another side of it. I know my own, and my own know me. In the same way that Jesus has that personal, deep love with us, we can know him in the same way. I think we see this in one of the verses that we read earlier. Verse 4 says this, It says, when he brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheet follow him. Why? What does it say? No, that's an actual answer. Why? What does it say? Yes, it says mumble, mumble, mumble. Exactly right. Uh, No, you said it. For they know his voice. They follow him for they know his voice. And this more than anything else made me think of the story of trying to trick people into thinking I was my dad on the phone. But my mom knew me. My mom knew my dad, so much so that she can pick out who was who over a phone, over miles of telephone wires, over a bad impersonation. She knew me just by the sound of my voice. Jesus says, we can know him. We can know him by his voice. You got a lot of details last week of what it means, to, uh, what it meant to be a shepherd at this time in first century uh, Israel. And, and let me just give one more piece to that. Uh, shepherds then, and even now, they'll still do that today in the region, they would band together with other shepherds and, and they would all bring their flocks and they would oversee them as one giant herd, uh, with each flock kind of bringing their sheep to, to be one giant herd. Um, this was for protection, for company, all that. But imagine how much of a nightmare it must be to try to figure out which ones are your sheep. They're all together in this big old blob of sheep. Which ones are yours? I I imagine it's uh, like if you come with a jar of cotton balls and you dump them out on a table and a couple other people come, they bring their cotton collections and do the same. You mix it all up and then your job is to figure out which ones did you bring? Which cotton balls are yours? That's impossible, Right? And that's with pretty compliant bits of cotton, let alone belligerent animals. But the shepherds trained these animals. With a certain call or a song, they would shout out to this big herd of sheep, and theirs would emerge following after them. Another shepherd would do the same. Theirs would come out. You could see videos of it today, this, uh, this big old herd and little streams of sheep following after just their shepherd. How? It's because they know his voice. One more piece. I was reading a commentary and, and the author talked about being in Jerusalem, a, a city that I've had the privilege to go to. It's, it's probably the busiest city I've ever been to in my life. And the author says right there in the midst of Jerusalem was a shepherd leading his flock through all the hustle and bustle of the city, with all the tourism, going through the foot traffic, through cars, through it's more tour buses than I've ever seen in my life. Through all of that, the shepherd is leading the sheep. Now, parents, I'm sorry if this brings up any warlike flashbacks of you navigating your children through busy areas, Uh, not trying to do that. But imagine instead of children, you have a flock, 20 or 30 sheep going through such a busy area, How do they not get distracted? How do they not become scared from all of these noises? How how do they not get confused and start following someone else instead? Because out there in front is the shepherd calling and singing to them. And they know his voice, so they follow him, despite everything else going on around them. It's amazing, these animals are dumb enough to follow other sheep off a cliff to their death and yet with the right shepherd can be led through the most distracting and disturbing and busy and convoluted experiences. Jesus says, I know my own and my own know me so much so that they can know me by my voice. So what does that look like? What does that mean to know Jesus, to know him by his voice, to know him that closely? What does it mean to know the voice of Jesus? I I thought about it like like this. Uh, In someone's testimony or in someone's story of how Jesus saved them, you can almost always point to the moments where they began to hear the voice of Jesus, where there's some change in their life that has no reason to exist. Why is there a change there? because they were hearing the voice of Jesus leading them to something else. Let me, let me show you in my life. So uh, the summer before seventh grade, God began to work in my life. Before that, I noticed that I would get attention from people if I fought or if I used language I would never dream of using in front of my parents. I would get attention, and that felt good. It was really as simple as waking up one day to realize I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't like how that attention felt. I didn't want to be known as that person. This ends now. Why? Why change that drastically? There's no reason to other than I was hearing a voice leading me in a different direction. A couple weeks into seventh grade, I was invited to go to a youth group. I hated going to church. So why did I say yes immediately? Because I was hearing a voice. Encouraged to read the Bible. And I didn't like reading the Bible, but I did. I was hearing a voice. Why did I give my life to Jesus? Because I heard the voice of the good shepherd who loved me and cared for me and was leading me into what was good for me. Jesus says, I know my own and they know me. They can hear my voice. So the question I ask is, do you know the good shepherd? Do you know and do you know his voice? He says in this passage, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Is that you? Do you know him as the one who knows you, knows everything about you, and loves you, and is leading you in a way that is for your good, no matter what else is going on around you, for your good? Do you know the good shepherd? If you don't, we would love to tell you more about what it means to be known and loved in this deep way and to follow him. We'd love to tell you more about that. Encourage you, find someone with a name tag on or if you came with someone else, talk to them. We are excited to hear how the good shepherd is calling you. Jesus says, I know my own and they know me. They know my voice. And we can ask and we'll spend just a little bit of time on it. What does it mean to know Jesus' voice in a daily way? In, the, in this passage, he's talking about calling sheep to himself to be saved through him. That, that's what it means, what he's, what he's using with saying, uh, they know my voice. But we as Christians are still following after him. So how do we know his voice in a daily way? Like the shepherd leading the sheep through Jerusalem, there's so many other voices we might hear. There's so many other distractions. There's so many other people that we might follow. So how do we follow Jesus alone? How do we know his voice in a daily way? Well, it's as simple as knowing what he has said so that we can follow him. Now, look, I get it. A pastor telling you to read the Bible, not necessarily breaking new ground right there but we're not supposed to break new ground. We're supposed to go often as a habit to the words that God has given to us, written down, showing us what he is calling us to, showing us what he is like. We cannot know what the voice of Jesus sounds like if we don't know what Jesus has said. It was so easy for me to trick other people into thinking I was my dad, but my mom knew me. She had spent time with me. My mom knew my dad. She had spent time with him. And after all of that time, that that, that getting uh, to know us, she knew what was true. In the same way, as we return as a habit to what God has given us, we get to see more of what his love is for us. We get to see more of what he is calling us to do. We get to see more of where he is telling us to go. In other words, we get to hear what his voice sounds like. How is Jesus a good shepherd? Well, a good shepherd sacrifices and Jesus does this. He lays down his life for the sheep. A good shepherd knows his own. and Jesus does this. I know my own and they know me. They know him by the voice. He calls out to his sheep by name to follow him. And these things are so beautiful and good. And we, we like these images. Uh, the picture of, of Jesus who sacrifices, the picture of Jesus who cares and loves us. Those are beautiful pictures, but they're not quite enough Because Jesus can have every good intention of the world to care for us, but if he's not able to do it, then he's not a good shepherd. He's a well-meaning shepherd, but not a good shepherd. A good shepherd has authority. A good shepherd has authority, and Jesus is able to do everything that he promises Let's see that in verses uh, 17 and 18. John 10 verses 17 and 18 says this. For this reason, the father loves me, Jesus is speaking, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Now, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. It's really incredible how many promises Jesus makes in just John chapter 10, even just John chapter 10, verses one through 18, how many promises Jesus makes to his followers. Have you counted them? Jesus promises that, that he will give his followers access to God. He promises that he will protect them. No one can take them away from him. He promises to love them in a deep and personal way. He promises to lay down his life for the sheep so that they can live. And here he promises to take his life back up again, meaning his resurrection. These are some incredible promises. And yet, if Jesus isn't able to do these things, if he doesn't have the authority to do these things, then at best, these are just beautiful words. And at worst, they're lies. But Jesus is able to do everything he promises. Jesus isn't just saying things that we want to hear. He's not saying things to get a following. He is saying these things because he has the authority to, an authority that comes from God. This charge I have received from my Father. The authority doesn't stop there. If you keep reading through John chapter 10, which I encourage you to do, this is part of the habit, returning to God's word. Sometime this week, read the rest of John chapter 10. Uh, Jesus is continuing to speak to these leaders uh, in front of him, the ones who missed what he was doing, the ones who were leading God's people astray, the ones who were more interested in building themselves up than caring for the sheep. Jesus is still speaking to them and he says something incredible in verse 30. He says, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. Okay, so what does that mean? What is John 10 telling us? Jesus says, I am the door. Through me and only through me can you have access to God and you will be protected. No one can take you away from him. Okay, how do we get that? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. I know them and love them and willingly do this so they can have that access, so they can have that abundant life. Well, how is he able to do this? Jesus is able to do all that he promises to do because he has authority from God as God. Everything Jesus promises here in John chapter 10, he has the authority to keep it because he is God. He is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34, God himself coming to lead his people. And it's, it's not just saying words. It's not just claiming authority and not being able to back it up. But in this passage, Jesus shows he has the authority to keep all these promises. See, by saying these things, by saying these words, Jesus is ensuring that he will keep his promises. Uh, let me restate that. So uh, not, he's not only saying these words, but by saying them, he is sealing his fate because he says to them, I and the Father are one. The Jewish leaders around him grab stones to kill Jesus. Jesus asked them about it. And this is their response in verse 33. Uh, the the Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy because you, being a man, make yourself God. That time they understood him. Because what Jesus is saying, he claims that he will lay down his life for the sheep. He claims that that will give his followers access to God. And by saying these words, Jesus is putting himself on a one-way street, straight to the cross, where he lays down his life, where he keeps all of his promises. Jesus is the good shepherd, because a good shepherd sacrifices, and Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd, because a good shepherd knows his own, and Jesus knows them deeply, personally, calling them by name, and they can know him as close as knowing him by his voice. A good shepherd has authority, and Jesus is able to do all that he promises that he will do. If you're out walking on the street and you're talking to someone back in a time when you're allowed to walk on streets and talk to people, uh, you might ask someone, what's something in the Bible? And even if they don't know much about the Bible, they, they could probably give you some answers. John 3.16 uh, maybe they went to a wedding once and so there's, they know there's something about love in 1 Corinthians. David and Goliath, Lord's Prayer. And I think on that same level, that same tier, you might hear Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And because of what we know in John 10, it's a picture of who Jesus is for us. We can read it based off of what Jesus tells us in John 10. We can read Psalm 23 and other passages in a very specific, in a very personal way because of what he shows us. A former professor of mine who wrote a commentary, uh, his name's Mickey Klink, he does this, this really interpretive way to help people see themselves in this passage. And so I want you to do that. I want you to hear this way of reading Psalm 23 based off of what we know, for you, this is what it looks like for you to follow the good shepherd. So hear this for you. Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. For Jesus refreshes my soul. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For Jesus is with me. Jesus' rod and staff, they comfort me. Jesus has prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus has anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of Jesus forever. That is a picture Of a good shepherd. And that is exactly who Jesus is. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to learn of your love for us, love that goes out to the world. And yet, in the midst of that, a unique personal love with us. Help us to learn more and more of this love, to learn more and more of you. And help us as well to be listening, listening to people in our lives that you might be calling, calling to you for the first time. Use us. Help us to show your love. Help us to show how good it is to follow you who are guiding us and protecting us along the way. It's to you and you alone we pray. Amen.